Good morning. Um, Matthew 6. I said last week that uh, I was going to complete talking about the secret place. And so just count this as a continuation of the end. Actually, there was something in here that I meant to cover last week, and I just, it skipped my mind, and I think it's pretty significant. Uh, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he says, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is already in secret. He's already in there waiting for you. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the American common definition of that word reward you is not really the Greek definition of the word. So in trying to translate it, they put reward you in there, but it really is kind of misleading. Because when we give, put it in the context of God's going to reward me, the implication is I have earned this reward. God owes me something. I have gone to the secret place. I've done my time, I've paid my dues, I've prayed my prayers. Now God owes me to reward me for what I have done. The truth of the matter is that's very misleading. Prayer does not place God in debt to us. He's just God. He doesn't owe us anything. We can't counsel him. We can't give him advice. We can't perform in such a manner that he in turn feels obligated to do something for us because we have done something. So the concept that there is this reward that God owes me now that I have gone into the secret place and prayed to my father in secret place is very misleading. But there is a truth that is applicable here if you just look at it a little bit differently. There is, there is a truth in the, king, in the kingdom of God and how God functions. And uh, he, he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, we're not going to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he, he makes this statement in reference to something else. He's not talking about prayer in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about giving, talking about money. But the truth that is inherent in money is inherent in prayer. And here's what he says. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. There is a truth ingrained in the kingdom of God, of reaping and sowing. When I sow the seed, 
it doesn't give me merit with God. It just sets something in place that's already inherent in the kingdom of God, and it's going to produce something. It's a given. It will do that. You take a seed, you drop it in the ground. The reward, you're not rewarded for that in the sense of the ground is indebted to you. There is just a truth in place that says if you place that seed in the ground and leave it alone, it will produce fruit. Now, you can call that a reward if you want to, but it's not in the sense of the ground is obligated to you. Does that make any sense? It's just a law in place. It's the truth being applied to our life. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Well, the same thing is true of the secret place. If I sow to the secret place sparingly, the results will be diminished. That's the law. That's the truth. If I sow to the secret place bountifully, there will be a greater harvest because it's the law. It's the rule. It's not the rule. It's, it's the truth of how God works. There is no greater secret place on earth than the place where a seed is deposited. Think about that. You take that seed and you put it in the dirt, you put it in the ground, and it cover it up. I mean, it's dark. Hopefully it's humid. There's no sunlight gets there. And yet something takes place in the ground that results in fruit being born. What a perfect picture of the secret place. Something takes place in that secret place. Something takes place in that time that we can't see, we can't measure, we can't determine. The last thing we need to do is fiddle with it or check it out all the time. Just do it, sow to that, and God promises that there will be a reaping, a harvest from that. Does that make any sense? It's, it just is. It just is a given. Now, here's the kicker. What takes place in that ground that you can't see? What's going on in there? Well, Jesus put it this way. Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and what? Dies. If that seed wants to produce fruit, it has to die. There is a death taking place in that ground. And before there can be a life manifested, there has to be a death to that seed. Perfect picture of the secret place. What's taking place in the secret place? A death. Why didn't you tell me this from the beginning? Well, if I'd have told you, you wouldn't have tried it. But there is a death taking place in the secret place. But that death is taking place in order that life can come from it. There's a death that's taking place to all of this worldly stimulus that pulls at me to give my attention and give my time and prioritize over prioritizing this. There's a death that takes place. There's a death to my flesh. My flesh hates the secret place. 
It does everything it can. It thinks of all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't be here. This is not going to work. Nothing's going to take place. There's no use wasting your time. This is unnecessary. All of those things that the flesh cries out and screams out and lists all those multitude of things that I could be doing that would be more productive. There's a death to that. And as I abide in the secret place, the pull of that is diminished. The enemy's not stupid. He doesn't waste his time on places where he knows he doesn't have a foothold. I mean, probably not many of us here have been tempted to rob a bank. We just, that, he, he, we just not going to get us to rob a bank. But he tempts us to lose our temper. He tempts us to be short with our spouses. He tempts us to tempts us to cuss that driver out when there's nobody in the car with you. Nobody will know. He recognizes that there is a place that he can get a hold. And the more we reside and abide in the secret place, death to that stimulus becomes more evident. Until, uh, you know, that, that doesn't, shouldn't appeal to me anymore. But there is a death that's taking place in the secret place. Death to the control that the world has over me. Death to the, to the control that the flesh has over me. The, the, key, the, the key identifier of the flesh is right now. Right now, you, you got to do it right now. And boy, when you sense that, you can pretty well guarantee that's flesh. Because it wants what it wants when it wants it, and it wants it now. And so there's the death to that, to say no to that. And there's a dying that takes place inside of us. And the more the dying takes place, the more the abiding, the more the sowing takes place, the greater the harvest will be. It's interesting Jesus refers to uh, the seed in analogy in two different ways. In, in Luke chapter 8, you know, he talks about the, the sower and, and the seed being sown and some of it falling by the wayside, some of it falling, you know, all on different kinds of ground. And he says there that the seed is the word of God. That's a proper application. But Jesus also refers to himself as the seed. And when he makes that statement, Unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and die, he's talking about himself, saying, I have to die. It's necessary that this seed fall in the ground and die in order that the truth of sowing and reaping can take place. And Ephesians tells us he's the first of many brethren. How did that take place? Because of the death that took place in that seed, and it came forth and produced a great deal of fruit. And so in Luke chapter 8, he's talking about that. And as I read over that, he talked about the different things that deter that seed that's been planted from bearing fruit. And it is the identical things that keep us out of a secret place. It's very interesting. First thing he said is the seed falls by the wayside. Well, here's a ground that's unprepared. And he says the devil comes along and steals it. 
How many times has the enemy done that? He comes with those those phrases, you don't have time for that. You, you can't do that today. You've got to go. You don't. And all these things, before we ever even get started, he's talked us out of it. And he talks about tempted to go somewhere else, tempted to do something else because the ground was not prepared. He talks about the worries of the world. And we get in a quiet place and we think of all this stuff. Listen, folks, there is not a spiritual anointing for worry. It's like, it's our calling. I'm worried that I don't have anything to worry about. And it's nowhere more pronounced than we're attempting to be silent and be quiet and be still in the presence of the Lord. And if you look at that chapter, you'll see the very thing. But the last he says, and I'm going to read this last sentence to you here in Luke chapter 8. He says, uh, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest heart, hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. What a perfect scenario. What a perfect picture of the quiet place. When is that fruit born? That fruit is born when I plant that seed in the quiet place. When I plant that seed in the secret place, I let it endure with perseverance and diligence. And he says, fruit will be born. And what he's saying in Matthew 6 is just with as much certainty as that seed being planted in the ground will produce fruit. The seed planted in the secret place will produce fruit, and it will be obvious fruit in our life if we maintain it with perseverance, if we stay at it. As sure as as God brings forth fruit from seed placed in the ground, allowed to die, the time in the secret place will bring forth fruit just as well. What fruit will it bring forth? Well, what seed was planted? What seed was planted? It'll bear whatever fruit of the seed that was planted. The presence of the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, all of those things manifested through a life that is allowed to die in that place so that God can bring something forth. And that's what I want to communicate to you this morning. Still morning. This morning. Don't give up. Just take your measuring rod and throw it away. Take your, Don't measure it by, did I hear God? Did I hear not? Did I not God? Don't measure it by, There was no interruptions, or there were interruptions. Just don't measure it. Just go to behold him, love him, and let him work in you. I'm telling you, folks, as a grandparent, there's nothing more satisfying than to have a grandchild come crawl up in your lap and do nothing. And do nothing. Just their presence brings my heart joy. And I am thoroughly convinced that the heart of the Father 
is the same. He enjoys our focus on him. Now, I have to die to not getting out of it what I want. That's part of the death. Am I content knowing that God smiled while I was in there? Am I content knowing that God goes, man, I like that. We'll come back sometime. I enjoy that. Are we content with that? And let him do what he's doing in that place. He will bear fruit if we are persistent and we're diligent in going to him and just enjoying him. All right, any questions? I I hope that encouraged you a little bit because, you know, I, I I have days where my quiet time is horrible. And I just want to scream. And I know what it's like to get frustrated. But I know that there's no other place to go except to him and in his presence. All right, anyone else?